I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up and then we discuss a topic that we think is really relevant and important to personal growth and that's relevant to the things that are going on right now. If you enjoy the episode, hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening on. You'll then find out whenever we launch a new episode, which is generally every Wednesday. And you'll also get to hear all about what we've been up to and also any recommendations for things we've loved recently. Happy Monday, my dear. I know it's Wednesday when everyone's listening, but we're recording on Blue Monday. And I know that we know that Blue Monday is a lie, but it feels like a complete lie today because it's so beautiful and sunny. Is it? Oh, I love that we have matching weather, even though we're in different places. That is, that that makes me happy. Yeah, makes me happy. It's It's just nice to see the sunshine. Yeah, makes a nice change. Makes a very nice change. Although I feel like we come on here and we sound so together, but we have also just been talking about how chaotic both of our lives are. So uh, oh, today is a like, little dose of real. My, my, my level of chaos today is just out of this world, but it's quite nice to show up and just feel like you have some semblance of control in your life, even if it's just for 40 minutes. <laughs> Although our good news is we have finally found an apartment here in Vietnam for the next two months which was is a huge relief because it seemed like there was nowhere that existed that um didn't have a club outside or didn't have mold um and wasn't pressed right up against another wall of a building so it's a miracle we found somewhere that has all three of those things very excited I am so excited for you when do you move in tomorrow Ooh, exciting and you'll just have you'll be able to yeah, get back it, into a routine as well. And that's what I'm so desperate for. I cannot wait. I keep saying that to Taylor. As soon as we are there, I feel like I can finally like the morning routines that just like planning my day out properly and not having to base it around just checking out of hotel rooms. This poor hotel though, we have checked out and had to check back in, but into a different room, I think four times now. They have been absolute troopers to to be I mean, obviously, because yes, we're just paying them money, but they've been so good about it. We must be so annoying, but <laughs> I mean, at least you're helping the local economy. We'll 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 go with that. We'll we'll take that viewpoint. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, not an awful lot, but we did look at our first wedding venue this weekend. Um, oh, so exciting! It's one that like people have said, "God, you're getting in quite early." Like we're not going to be getting married anytime before next year. Um, but. We just have no idea what we're doing or where to start. And we thought if we just start by having a bit of a look around, we also then get to see like what we like and what we don't like because we have no idea. Like we've got a rough idea of what we definitely wouldn't want and definitely do want. But it's like anything. It's like hunting for like a flat or a house. Until you start looking at some in real life, you actually don't really know. Um, so that was quite mm. fun to spend a Saturday morning. We've got a couple more coming up. Um you never know we might we might have a date within the next couple of months which is a wild thing to think about but what's crazy is people are already getting invites for like 2026 weddings so we were like actually we'd rather get all of like the big stuff done and then we can just sit back and hopefully enjoy the rest of it she says naively having never planned a wedding before so anyone on this who's listening now who's um already married might just be really laughing at that thought but (laughs) 
But I think that's why, like, the whole thing about getting in there early, I think it's the right thing to do. Because if you can get those big things sorted way earlier on, then you've got more time to think about the smaller things. Because I feel like they're, at least from, I've never been married before, but from seeing other people's weddings, it's always those smaller things that then kind of pile up and get really stressful closer to the time. Just giving yeah. yourself longer to get it all sorted. Also, for like the little things are the really fun things. So we want time to do that. Exactly. Do you want to share your recommendation this week? I'm so excited for this because I can't wait for you to go and read this and us have a conversation about it. So it's an article on The Cut that they published about a month ago now called Age Gappers. They say they're happy. Why is it so hard for us to believe them? And it looks at, it's a really long article. I would say it's, oh, okay. So if you listen to the article, it's a 34 minute article to listen to. It's basically a podcast episode. Oh my Um, God. I love that the cut put that at the top of their articles now. That's brilliant. Um, But essentially it looks at a really wide range of age gap relationships. And why is it that as a society, we really struggle to not judge and not assume that people are unhappy that there's um like an unbalanced power dynamic that they're manipulative like why is it that we cannot get our head around the fact that two adults who have very different experiences and at different points in their life could actually be the perfect match for each other it is a brilliantly balanced article and it doesn't come to a conclusion per se what it does is speak to lots of different couples and get their takes on it. And it's really interesting because it does confront those biases that I think a lot of us have of, oh God, but like, what do you have in common with someone who's 15, 20, 30 years older than you? So-and-so is only in it for the money. So-and-so is like really naive because they're going to have to care for their partner. Like it's really interesting. And actually those perceptions a lot of us hold are directly addressed by the people in those relationships and it basically just goes back to that thing of like you should never really judge another person's relationship because you never know the truth behind it you never really know what's going on behind closed doors like you could be the same age as someone and be in a relationship where there's a really manipulative power dynamic there's always going to be some difference in power dynamics in relationships because human beings are all different it is fascinating um it also touches on the Leonardo DiCaprio age gap relationships thing which I know we've discussed before um it talks about age gap relationships with celebrities throughout the last however many decades and it raises some really interesting points a really great one if you want to kind of challenge your own perceptions on things as well I would really recommend it sounds so interesting and before you even brought up the celebrity bit I was going to say that I definitely have some like preconceived ideas about age gap relationships and it 100% comes from how certain celebrity age gap relationships have been portrayed in the media or how we I guess hear about their relationship especially if there's been a relationship breakdown I feel like then the way that it's reported on or whichever side is shared or interpreted I feel like that has had such a huge influence on how I like perceive maybe like a 20 year age gap or a 30 year age gap yeah. or something. Like that. That's I'm definitely going to give that a read. That's so interesting. I thought this like quick passage that I'm going to read out was particularly interesting because it basically makes you have to challenge all of the judgments you have. It said, 
I interviewed more than 50 people in relationships with age gaps from 10 to 40 years and heard many variations on the same theme. Their relationships were deeply satisfying and they saw their age differences either as irrelevant or just as beneficial. Like, it's the irrelevance part. I'm like, yeah, we're the ones putting our preconceived judgments on those and the meaning of it. Yeah. Because if it wasn't right for them, if they genuinely felt like an age gap wasn't right, then they wouldn't be in that relationship in the first place. So there's, it's, it's irrelevant or there's, there's obviously something far bigger at play, presumably that they love each other, that's been the catalyst for that relationship in the first place. So why would an age gap even be an issue for them? Yeah, I'm going to pop it in the show notes like we do with all our recommendations. It is brilliant. I think the cut do such a good job of tackling those like big questions that we have and those biases we have. So yeah, give it a read. And when you have health, please let me know what you think. 100%. What is your recommendation? Mine is quite a serious one. And I actually think I voice noted you about this a couple of months ago. It's a book called All the Young Men by Ruth Coker Burns. Oh, and I think you did because I want to read this, but I keep put, like I don't ever feel like I'm in the right headspace for it. Yeah, it is. It is a very yeah. You've got to be in the right headspace. Um, it's a true story about Ruth Coker Burns, who in 1986 she visits a friend who's in hospital for cancer treatment, and while she's there, she notices a door that's painted red, and the nurses are drawing straws about who should go in to tend the patient. She goes in to see what's going on and basically learns that the young man in the room is dying of AIDS. So she goes inside inside this, quote, quarantined area and sits with the man and basically comforts him in the last moments of his life because no one in the hospital would, would do it. No one would go into this room. And from doing that happens in like the first few pages of the book. And from that point on, she becomes known as like the lady who helps men with AIDS. She lives in one of the southern states of the US. She's a single mother with a young daughter and she begins to spend basically all of her free time and her income um, helping these men who come to her from all over the country because they've either been rejected by their, their families or their communities or perhaps their partner has passed away and they now know that they also have AIDS. And it is honestly like eye-opening. Right? I, I feel as if because we weren't around in that era, even though I know what the, especially like how the media portrayed AIDS and like the fear, like the scaremongering that happened, feel like I didn't really understand the true impact of it until I read this book and how even like how she was impacted. Like she was ostracized from her community, from her church, from her family. It is absolutely horrendous to read. But then her memoir is also so funny so entertaining she's like welcomed into the the gay community in her in her city and she basically has this second family with all of these people and it is it's heartwarming but at the same time heartbreaking because you know that so many of them are eventually going to die um but she kept her work secret for years because she was afraid of well she tried to keep it secret obviously people locally knew but she, it's not until she's written this book that she shared her story um it is a really difficult read but I absolutely recommend it, especially if, like me, you, you just didn't really, you, you know what the, perception, what the perception was at the time, but not necessarily how entrenched it was and how damaging it was. Like the, the bottom line in the book is like how small actions helping other people can make such a huge difference. And God, you, you, you've, like, you don't see it more than when you're reading this book. It's honestly an amazing read. It sounds like 
one of those books that as soon as you read it, it stays with you forever and that yeah. the people involved like you you never forget them I think like you said we obviously know that the public perception of AIDS and HIV is in the 80s HIV HIV in the 80s and the 90s was awful there is still a huge stigma today but it was all rooted in a real lack of homophobia and racism obviously but fundamentally a lack of understanding and to look back now and think of like the room being quarantined and no one going in there to sit with him when he was dying knowing that there was no risk to those medical professionals i'm not judging those medical professionals obviously they they did with with what they had they didn't know yeah they didn't yeah. know they could only act on the information they had at the time but i think thinking of that and then thinking of how recently we have known so many people lose their lives on their own due to covid where it was contagious and they had to be quarantined I don't know it it really turns my stomach but also makes me think god what else is there then that we don't understand now and we hold those judgments against people for and we're going to look back in however many decades and go god we just didn't understand and I think that's an important thing to question as well yeah I mean that's going to happen with every generation I think it's all the time like what 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 ideas do I hold now that in 40 years I'll be like, God, I can't believe I thought that. That's just awful. Like you you can't ever know. But I think she's you just see in this book how she knows that she doesn't understand it, but she wants to help anyway. She's determined to like contact doctors who are more open to doing research and things like that. That yeah, I it is that the type of person that you are and the type of person that she is who's willing to do what it takes to make sure that someone's not on their own at the end of their life is the bottom line of the book which I think is yeah a really powerful book but definitely have to be in the right mind space to read it yeah it's on the list um and I do want to read it I think it is it sounds incredible so one for this year shall we talk about our topic for today I feel like our recommendations were quite intense this week um yeah (laughs) and they're good ones but let's talk about our topics I feel like it's a little bit lighter it's a little bit maybe um easier for everyday thinking we want to talk about short-term goals and gentle goals and we've started a new year everyone's going ham on like the big things they want to achieve this year but actually there is so much to be said for having smaller more achievable quicker to achieve like gentle goals and that's something both of us have tried to incorporate into the starts of our year. So we wanted to open up that conversation a bit here. Yeah, I think the really, it's so tempting at the start of the year to set big goals for the year, like how much you want to earn or a promotion or maybe how much weight you want to lose or how many miles you want to be able to run or whatever it is. And I feel like I speak for both of us that we love those kind of big measurable goals. But I think gentle goals are more about getting into a like quote unquote better you state without adding more work or stress to your plan yeah. I, I feel like I mean I don't know about you I feel like probably pretty similar boats but after the end of last year I haven't bounced back to where I was at the same time last year yeah great. I think you can't implement those bigger goals until you've got those short-term gentle goals that take care of you first like building a foundation 
yeah I feel like gentle goals are a lot more aligned to like those smaller daily habits and habit stacking and finding new routines and actually at the end of the day they're the things that will ladder up to success like instead of going I want to lose weight in 2024 or I want to be the healthiest I've ever been you can still have that as your goal but it's going okay but in January in the next six weeks in the next couple of months I'm going to set the goal of like drinking enough water eating more vegetables and moving my body a bit more and so it doesn't feel as terrifying and there's a lot to be said as well like when you set a big goal I don't care who you are you're going to have that imposter syndrome you're going to have that negative self-talk that tries to creep in and go "Mm, you can't do this but if you've set smaller more achievable goals you slowly start to chip away at that narrative because you have concrete evidence that actually yay you can achieve it I think that's the only reason now that I feel more comfortable setting bigger fitness goals is because I've got two years of evidence of me chipping away at like being able to get a slightly better score and spin or lifting a bit more in my shoulder press and all of those other things it's because they've been so broken down that the narrative has had to change in my head yeah and I think it's it's also how you're how you want to perceive those smaller goals because if you make big goals saying I don't know at your job or something it's often smart goals and it's how you break them down but I feel like when you approach bigger goals that way, it's more the milestones to get you there. It doesn't really treat those smaller steps as goals within themselves. And I think you're absolutely right. If you can make those smaller steps, the next goal that you're heading for and the next goal that you're heading for, stakes are lower. Each time you hit that marker of, of success, you get that boost of, of self-confidence and it's like the proof that you can do it. And it's the proof that you can take that next step to the, towards the next goal that's going to yeah take you up that ladder to where you want to be. I do think it's it's not that you can't use these smaller goals to get to the bigger goals. I do just think it's treating those smaller steps not just as stepping stones but actual achievements in themselves. For sure. And see when you see it as an achievement in itself as well, I think it helps with that adrenaline hit, doesn't it? Like and that's what we need. Like as human beings, we fundamentally need that. And it's not always easy to get hold of. So it's a nice way to do it like that. And it also allows you to have that level of flexibility for when you change as a person, because who I am now, like who both of us are now, is not who we were 12 months ago. And if we only focus on the really big overarching goals and we don't think about like the smaller things we want to achieve, it's far harder to flex and reprioritize because we're just thinking big picture if we think about the smaller picture we can say actually yeah the I think the end of last year for both of us for different reasons really hammered home the importance of like slowing down and taking time for yourself and I think if you had told us 12 months ago this is what we were saying now we wouldn't have really thought it were true but that's the beauty yeah. of it right because we have been able to have that reactivity and that kind of reassessment because we're not just thinking about the really, really big goals. We'll still get there, but just the path we're going to take is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely say like that change in priorities and shift in, I guess, what I see as important has, I don't know, has shown me exactly that, that not everything has to be about those big successes or the big numbers or the big milestones. It can be 
slowing down, making more time for yourself, being more intentional about what you want your day or your week or your month to look like. Mm. And I think there's also something in there as well about having those small goals that stack up also really supports that like long-term discipline towards things. Like it, they are so fundamental in that 1% progress each day. Yes. It is like that evidence that you have the discipline. It, it like gentle goals don't aren't soft goals. They aren't lesser or pathetic goals. They, if anything, are showing the discipline that you've got towards, I guess, a more holistic approach to goal setting rather than just when I hit X income or when I get that promotion, then I've reached success. Yeah, that's a really good point. And they're not soft goals. And I think that's actually why I never wanted those more gentle and smaller goals is because I equated it with being softer, being easier, not being challenging enough, not actually pushing forward growth. And that's such a narrow-minded, naive approach to have to it because that isn't the case at all. Like setting yourself the task of doing something differently every single day and doing it every single day is challenging because you're mm-hmm. probably not going to do it every day. You're going to trip up and you're going to have day off days and stuff. And then you've got to get back on the horse and do it again and try again. And actually that is not easy. If it were, I think everyone would do it and we'd all be perfect, but it is, it is difficult just in a completely different way. It goes back to what we've said before about the whole, like pick your hard, like having yeah. a really, really big, scary goal is hard, but it's still challenging to have smaller goals. It's just a challenging in a different way. Yeah. And I I do think, again, it's how you want to perceive those goals. Like you might have a goal that you want to launch a new business in 2024, but the gentle goal around that could be letting go of perfectionism because the chances are maybe perfectionism is is holding you back or negative self-talk is holding you back. And in the same way that, I don't know, maybe you have a goal that's to read 50 books this year. That's a lot. That's a book a week. Maybe a gentle goal could be reading 10 pages every night. It doesn't it doesn't have to be just this one huge goal, but there can be other smaller things like I don't know, another gentle goal could be setting healthier boundaries or scheduling in rest so you actually have the energy and the focus when you need it at work or when you're spending time with people or mm-hmm. I don't know, things like that that you don't necessarily see them as a goal in themselves, but they can potentially have a huge knock on effect to something that really is a big goal or priority for you. I one thing I started doing I would say probably like end of last year September October time and I definitely let slip over December and also last week um but it does make a huge difference is having the goal of like doing a Sunday checklist like a Sunday reset checklist there's four things on the list they're very straightforward it's diarize my workouts because as soon as they're in the diary, you are more likely to do them. You can't have that excuse on Friday night of going, oh, crap, I've had five days of the week. I've not worked out yet. I can't reach my goal of four workouts this week because there's literally not enough time. If you diarize it, it's easy to keep it to it. Then I've got one about planning my outfit. So I just remove some stress in the morning. One about planning meals. Again, remove some stress, focus on like health. And then one about like doing a bit of like a cleaning reset. And I had the goal to do all of those four things but I hadn't put anything in place to make it a habit and kind of actually do it. So I changed my goal to do my weekly reset. And as soon as I did that, even though the actual content of what I'm trying to do isn't different, 
it became a lot more straightforward because it was like, I just have to do my little reset every week and I'm fine. And that has been a huge game changer, like almost lowering the bar and simplifying it. It's not, like you said, it's not an easier goal, but it is a more achievable goal. I was going to say, it's like you've moved the start line a bit closer yeah. to you. Yeah. And then it's far like, easier. It's so much easier to remember to diarize your workouts and plan your meals if you have a prompt that is look yeah. at the checklist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then that does go back to, I guess, the intentionality of gentle goals as well. Like setting a goal to do your weekly checklist might not sound like a goal to a lot of people but it's that knock-on effect that it has in every yeah. other area of your life. It helps you hit your fitness goals. It helps you hit your health goals. It reduces friction in your mornings. It helps you stay on top of things in your day-to-day -day life so you can schedule in rest. Yeah. All of those other knock-on effects it has are potentially huge for your life. And also I think that's key, that it's it's what works for you yeah. and the knock-on effects that it's going to have in your life. So I do, I don't know, I guess it could be difficult to, maybe sit down and for people to have like a real think about what those goals might be especially especially if you're not used to setting them like I know I really really struggled with thinking about that this year and from that perspective and honestly doing this episode and planning this episode really helped me think about okay where can I make those changes like that like making my morning routine easier for me to start and stuff like that yeah kind of like removing the friction which I know we are going to talk about in a couple of weeks but I think that is a really that is something that short-term goals really help with because it's not always that you can't do the big thing. It's just you're not set up for success. And I also think a short-term goal, not only does it set you up for success better, it allows you to enjoy things more. It allows you to have that kind of curiosity and just like different approach to doing things. Like you can try new things. If your goal is to, if your goal is around like health and well-being, maybe your smaller goal is once every couple of months you try a brand new activity you've never done before because it's not that you want to become an expert in pilates and run your own pilates studio and all of that sort of thing you actually scale it back and you go with that curiosity of let's give this a go it might be fun you might hate it and if you hate it that's fine the goal isn't to enjoy it the goal is to try it and mm -hmm. so then the measure of success is showing up and like we said it goes back to that thing of you create a habit and a consistent um like a consistent ledger of proof that you can show up and give stuff a go and you're not going to enjoy it or you're not going to be great at it all but it lets you kind of embrace that joy a bit more like again if you've got a goal where it's to do something creative every month maybe one month you do a vision board one month you like I don't know try a new makeup look like you literally just play with your makeup you get out you're like god I haven't worn a red lip in ages let's just put one on like it can be whatever you want it to be but it allows that sort of play and that fun because how else are you going to find yeah. out if thousand doesn't work for you yeah and this goes exactly back to what we were saying at the start like gentle goals aren't about adding more work or more stress to your plate but they should be things that are better for you are something that's going to ultimately make your life easier or the things that you want to do easier to achieve like if it's adding more stress or more friction to your day then like you have permission to change it or drop yeah. it or look for a different option like there's no this isn't like a something you've committed to and have to stick to for a whole 12 months yeah exactly like 
and you you have that flexibility to pivot your goals and again that to me is just and that's a very valuable thing to be able to do and you're gonna get it wrong sometimes I think if you get it wrong or you maybe you don't get it wrong but you get to the end point where you've achieved your goal and you don't have that satisfaction and that joy and that real sense of accomplishment but you have put months or years into achieving this huge goal that to me is just heartbreaking like I don't care who you are that's going to have an impact on you and your mental health and your well-being and it isn't to say that you shouldn't have those big goals but I think if you don't have anything on the way and you've put all your eggs in one basket kind of why have you I'm really sorry if you can hear my cat snoring she's lying next to the laptop and she's just snoring away bless her but if you've put all of your (laughs) if you've put all of your eggs in one basket then and you don't then get the feeling that you hope to when you finish it's only going to be demotivating and kind of heartbreaking I think you've got to have those bits along the way that still have progress like that's the fun part of life yeah and I think that goes along with the whole changing priorities bit and maybe it does take you hitting that goal and not being as excited about it to realize that I think maybe that played a role in at least me in the latter half of last year where I didn't hit goals just because like I was just really not capable of doing it in those last few months yeah and then now now I look at that and I realize okay well there was a lot of things I did achieve last year but I didn't really like celebrate them or get excited about because I had a lot of things pinned on like these couple of things and now I see like I look at where I was maybe in Croatia at the start of the year and I'm like, God, I had a really great routine every single day. I was being really healthy. I was really sticking to like good habits. I didn't realize how good I was at doing it until it's all like been taken away. Yeah. And now I see a huge benefit of having those smaller goals and those gentle goals and those little like kind of foundational blocks that were just the 1% each day. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I, I don't think, I think if we look back at 12 months ago, us, we were both in really good routines with food, with like working out, with even I would say like our well-being and just like focused on what we wanted to achieve. But we never would have celebrated those wins. We never would have taken a moment to appreciate that actually we were achieving goals. Whereas now I think we would both be far better at going, yeah, actually that this week I did well. Or yeah. in this one area, okay, things didn't go to plan, but like, look at what I did there. And there is so much value in that, especially like this time of year, let's be honest, if you're listening to this in real time and it's the middle of January, then, or you're just in the middle of winter, wherever you are, let's be honest, like no one has ever set goals at this time of year and been like hyper motivated for the whole time. Like I love a January reset. I love setting some goals getting into that mindset of the new year but it's the hardest time of the year to do it let's be honest like when it is cold Mm -hmm. and it is dark and your brain is literally evolved to say do not go outside do not go out in the dark it's always going to be harder and actually I think if you can set smaller goals now then sure in the spring summer maybe you can reassess and kind of pick some bigger things that you want to focus on for a shorter period of time but it's almost like don't set yourself up for a failure or like don't make it harder than it has to be right now. Yeah, you've literally just reminded me, I can't believe I'd forgotten about this, but there's a nutritionist that I follow on Instagram and she made this exact point. She was like, please stop putting so much pressure on yourself for like the first quarter of this year. We are literally 
like our survival instincts are telling us that we should be hibernating and staying inside and like conserving our energy because of the time of year that it is. Like, don't set yourself these huge goals. Like, use it to build the foundations and to. Or she was coming at it from a nutritional point of view, but she was like, do the the tests that you need to get done and trial some different diets or different. Like that was the angle that she was coming from. But she was like, use this time in the way that your body is telling you to use this time. And I just think that's such an yeah. interesting point as well. But January, February, March isn't exactly like peak time for uh, feeling super motivated to hit those massive goals. Yeah. And also like, so one of the things I really want to do this year is just get back into that habit of eating a really wide range of like plant foods. That is so much easier in the spring and the summer when you have, when you want to eat a salad and you want to have mm-hmm. like lots of colorful food and you've got fresh veg and fruit everywhere and like fruit salads are the most appealing thing. I do not want to sit on my sofa in January eating a salad and a bowl of watermelon in the evenings. However, give it six months and that's all I will want to eat. And so actually, instead of doing that, I'm better going, okay, let's get my sleep sorted and let's make sure I'm taking any supplements I need. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's such a good point. Like we are literally designed to want more carbohydrates at this time of year. That's how we survive to get to this point. <laughs> like let's yeah. stop judging ourselves. Yeah. Oh God, so many different angles to consider. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by that, but just got to come at this from my own angle. Yeah. And also like, I think it's because you've got choice and that's a really lovely thing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And your priorities can change. As we've already said, things can Uh change. You don't have to stick with or go with what, even if you made a new year's resolution two weeks ago and you're like, actually, you know what? don't think this is right you have this is your permission to change it or make some gentler goals yeah. that might get you there later in the year 100 you've got to do what works for you there's no point in beating yourself up you're far better just pivoting it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we hope you've enjoyed this episode um and that you found it useful if you are kind of struggling with the whole new year new you getting on top of your goals hopefully this has provided you some comfort and like a bit of an alternative way of looking at it we will be back next Wednesday all, with an episode all about high maintenance. And who really cares if any of us are high maintenance? And does it even matter if you're the one maintaining yourself? If you have enjoyed this, hit subscribe. Like we said, you'll get that on straight into your podcast inbox. And you'll also um, get up to date with any other new episodes. And we are much more active on Instagram now than we have been previously. So head over to Growth in Progress pod on Instagram. We're sharing some recommendations over there and some other just positive little posts. So we hope to see you there. In the meantime, have a great week and we will speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye.